I love to see our life like a story. Like our life is a story and where we get to like co-write with God. And like one day my story is going to be passed down to my grandchildren, whether that's through like, through like audio, like somebody's going to tell my story or if I've actually physically written out my story. And I want my grandchild to like read a story that's really interesting and a story that's not filled with like so much comfort and fear. Like I think the two greatest enemies of courage is comfort and fear. And but we, our miracles and our interesting story and our fascinating story, it happens outside our comfort zone. And so what I'm learning is that courage is like asking us to leave our comfort zone. And my comfort zone was staying in this community that was so simple and so easy. And I just knew like Holy Spirit was just nudging me to leave that and go into the unknown. But one of the quotes I have in my book is the quality of your life is directly linked with how much uncertainty you can comfortably handle. A dream can be anything, whether yours is to start a business, be in a healthy relationship, pursue your dream career, or to get right spiritually. Every week, the Dream Check podcast brings you tips, tricks, and real life insight from people who are living their dreams to the fullest. I'm Nicole Ivanoff, an established international wedding photographer and wife. Like you, I have so many dreams, some of which I've lived out and others I'm still pursuing daily. I'm a girl from suburban Detroit who's made her way out to LA, and although I'm no guru, I have a heart to show you that if I or anyone who comes on this podcast can do it, so can you. Welcome to the show. Time to check in. What's up, everyone, and welcome back for another episode. Today, I'm interviewing my very dear friend, Riley Swell. She is from New Zealand, and as of today, I have decided I'm going to start calling her a traveling evangelist. She literally radiates joy in the spirit, and today she's going to talk about finding the balance between thinking about our dreams and future and appreciating the moment and what God has already given us. It's a conversation you don't want to miss. Let's check in. Good morning. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm going so good. So good to be in LA. So good to see you. How long has it been since we've seen each other? It's been months. It's been more than months, it feels like. (laughs) Like when I think of months, I think of like two months. Yeah. It's been probably six to nine. (gasps) It has. But shout out to social media for making us feel like we see each other all the time. That we're still connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. You were just in Nashville. Mm-hmm. For was it a conference? Yeah, it was a conference. They like had like two hundred young Christian influencers, leaders, and they just like mm-hmm. invested into us. It was amazing. What do you think was the best little piece oh, of uh, advice you learned? What do you think you will not remain relevant if you hurry? Wow. That hurry is so counter to God's heart. God's not in a hurry. He walks two miles per hour. You will not remain relevant if you're in a hurry. hurry. But it seems like you feel like you need to be hurried to stay relevant. But relevance mm-hmm. in the kingdom is so different than relevance in society. You said God walks two miles per hour. That is so powerful. And I think in a lot of the episodes recently, we've talked about just that hustle and grind culture mm. and how you feel like if you're not constantly moving and moving at a fast pace, you're not doing enough especially in LA. Mm-hmm. And so that I feel like is going to hit so many people. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. 
Well, that was like a spur of the moment question. (laughs) I'm so glad I asked it. What is a dream that you have right now? Okay, so when I was driving here, I was thinking about it. And I had this memory of me when I was in primary school, which I don't know what you call that in America, but that's like... What grade is that? That's like when you're like seven. Elementary school. Okay, yeah. And my nickname was JC Girl. Jesus Christ girl and I would literally travel around with my Bible and just like preach to anybody who would listen at seven at seven and I like my Bible was all highlighted like I knew scriptures and why I share that with you is because I did not care what anybody thought and I think there's mm-hmm. so many people listening right now that wish they were a little more like that mm-hmm. but what what made me not care about what anyone thought was the presence of God I had had an encounter with God like six months prior to me turning seven and I just felt God and I was at kids church and it just radically changed my life. And and that's my dream Mm -hmm. as I just wish more people could feel the presence of God because then they would not only experience peace and joy, but they would also just not care too much Mm -hmm. about what other people think. That is so good. And it reminds me of... I was in Mexico in June and I was laying by the pool and there was this little girl who was with her friend. She was probably six or seven. Mm -hmm. They're in the pool. They're splashing around and she's talking to them and she's probably, that was probably you at six and seven. (laughs) She was like, did you guys know there's a kid in my class? He doesn't believe in Jesus. Can you believe that? Did you know that Jesus died for our sins? Her friends are not paying attention at all. They're (laughs) splashing around, but she doesn't care. She is telling them anyway. She's talking about Jesus. She's six years old. (laughs) And I was like, wow, that is why God says to have childlike faith. Mm -hmm. Because if we can just walk in a room and talk Mm -hmm. about Jesus and not care what anyone thinks, whether they're they're listening, Mm -hmm. whether they're going to place judgment, whatever it is, that's what Mm -hmm. we're called to do. It seems so simple, but for people listening, it's literally just being in your room one day and being like, God, I want to experience you right now. Mm -hmm. And just like keep knocking on that door until you really feel that experience because there it's just God is the God of the universe and and he has so much power to change so much of your life. That's so good. I'm just looking at you in awe. (laughs) (laughs) That is so cute. So, okay, growing up, so you're experiencing the presence of God at such a young age. Can Mm -hmm. you share a little bit about your, you know, what it was like growing up in your household? Obviously, your parents are believers, raised Mm -hmm. you in that. Um, What was that like? Yeah, so we had a, I mean, I had a pretty wild childhood in the terms where we were traveled and lived in 25 countries by the time I was 15. (laughs) So we were like all around the world. And I just remember my, well, mm, the, the presence of God came through opportunity, like you know, you can only get a good for, become a good photographer if you have the opportunity to become a good photographer. Mm-hmm. And I was just given a lot of opportunity to become a child of God. And so for my parents, like this is just one thing I remember, like they would pick me up from school and give me a chocolate bar. And by the time we had a 30 minute drive home to our farm. And by the time we got home, our challenge was to give away a chocolate bar to somebody on the side of the street. And so we'd just be like driving down the road and then we'd see somebody and my heart would be like, ah, that's the person. And I'd be like, mom, pull off. So my mom's like, Skirt, like pulls off to the side <laughs> of the road. And then we give a chocolate bar to that person. And I'd just be like, hey, God loves you so much. 
church or it's just like we I remember just loving church as a kid and I would mm-hmm. go we went to a mega church and they had like four services on Sunday morning and I go to every single service because I was just like I can't get away from it because I knew even though I didn't have the words to describe I knew that my heart was designed to love God and I just mm-hmm. wanted to be in places where I could do that. That's so beautiful. And I think you've told me that story before and I was going to ask you to share it. So you're one step ahead of me. (laughs) I wanted to ask you, you recently did a post on Instagram about a little girl. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't remember where you were. Mm -hmm. Yes, but she had come up to you and said that she felt God's presence in you. Yeah. So she was Natalie. So my friends and I are leading a revival. It's called California Will Be Saved. And we're just leading worship nights across California. And it's been crazy. Like we're just posting it through social media and just hundreds of people are showing up. Mm-hmm. So we have one of these revival nights. And it's just a place to worship like on a beach. And there's this girl, Natalie, she's five years old. She's walking down the beach with her mom, has nothing to do with our event, doesn't know about it. And she sees the event and she grabs her mom. She's like, we have to go. We have to go over. And her mom's like, no, 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 no. Like has no idea what it is. Like Natalie and her mom had no idea what God was or what worship was. But Natalie just like felt it in her. She like wanted to be in that environment. (laughs) And so she grabs her mom. She like pulls her mom over and they just are just, just, just like taking in and watching and, you know, just looking at it. And then an hour later, I'm walking through the crowd and all of a sudden Natalie, to me at this point as a stranger, jumps on me, like literally like Superman flies on me. And I'm like, she grabs me and starts crying. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, is this child okay? Like, did something happen? And she just starts weeping and weeping. And she's like, God's in you. I feel God in you. God's in you. And she's just crying and crying. And for 20 minutes, we're just hugging. I'm crying. She's crying. Her mom's like, you can let go now. Like, I think the mom's feeling a little mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Like, what's going on with her five-year-old child? And she's like, the mom, the, the little girl's like, I can't let go. I can't let go. And then after 20 minutes, she like, the little girl finally just like releases her arms off me. Her face is just like covered in tears, but she's like bright eyed. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I want to know God. And I was like, just explain that there's a God that designed her and loved her mm-hmm. and loved her so much that she would die for her. And and this little five-year-old is just like nodding her head. Like, it's so funny how sometimes like we have, we hear things and we don't fully understand it, but our gut does, like mm-hmm. our heart does and our brain does. And so this little girl's like, I know what you're talking about, even though I don't know. And so she gives her heart to Jesus. And then she texts me, she still texts me to this day. And she's like, I never want to like be away from God. And I was just like, oh, that's it. That's the purpose of life. <laughs> It's so heartwarming and touching. I mean, I cried when I saw that post. Mm. And again, it goes back to the childlike faith and like the presence of God. Like you can experience it in a moment and like moments prior, you didn't Mm. even know who God was. Mm -hmm. Like he can enter your heart that fast. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. I want to talk about your move to San Diego. You're you're minimal minimalistic. Is that the word? Yeah, I'm living. I'm living like this serious minimalistic life. Which for people who saw my childhood, it's literally the opposite. I grew up in a family where just like all our needs, if not way more, were supplied for, mm-hmm. and so. I lived in a two-bedroom apartment in Pasadena. I just finished my master's, and I was writing a book. And my book is about the about courage. And I just my life in Pasadena was so easy, 
And I like walked down the streets and I knew people. I knew my routine was very basic. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you feel like time's going really fast. Mm-hmm. But what happens is, is your brain, I was researching it the other day, your brain goes in autopilot mode when you are experiencing the same experiences over and over again. So what makes it seem like time is slowing down is when you experience something new. And I just felt like my life was just the same, the same, repeat, repeat, repeat. And so I was like, man, I just don't feel like I'm in a situation where I'm learning about courage. And as a writer, I have to, I'm on like my, I'm my own science experiment. So Mm -hmm. I had to put myself in a position where I need courage. So my lease is ending and I was going to find a place in Pasadena, but nothing was working. Like all these doors were closing for the most random reasons. And I often think that God communicates through his favor. Like if you ever just like his favor and his peace is God's way of nudging you in a certain direction. So like Mm -hmm. if all of a sudden all the doors open for an opportunity, you're like, okay. And all the doors close for another. You're like, okay, God, favor is happening this way. And peace, which is like your compass, is pointing north in that direction. And so I was driving through San Diego one day and I was just there for surfing. Like I had no plans at all to move to San Diego. And I was driving this little, little beach town at 8 PM. It's dark. I can't see anything. I've never been in this beach town in my entire life. And I just get hit with peace. And I hear God say, you're moving here. One week later, I move. I give away all my furniture. Just like I had this Nigerian, this Chinese family, both walk through my apartment. They just grabbed whatever they wanted. They took it all for free. And I had like beautiful furniture, but I was just like, no, God, like my stuff is an opportunity to be generous. I simplified mm-hmm. my entire life. I only have like <laughs> like so many shirts and like I have three shirts, like three pants. Like my life is so simple. And I moved to a tiny camper in San Diego and I'm put myself intentionally in a position where I need courage. I'm in a town, don't know anyone. I'm living a ridiculously simple life. Like my camper literally just has a bed. It's in a garden of some random person who was a stranger. I just found her <laughs> through Facebook and I was like, yo. And my mother was like, what the heck, honey? What are you doing? <laughs> so what about kitchen bathroom situation? <laughs> You're so concerned for me. <laughs> I, I love it. But you just said it had a bed. And so I just need to know. So it it's like in the garden of somebody's house. And so the house, I welcome to a small town in San Diego, is never locked. Mm. And so I get access to the house. So it's it's super simple. It's just pretty much like having a bed outside. It's like I camp every night. What do you think you've learned the most so far? That my life prior was so busy and noisy and active and people focused, but God truly speaks in a still small voice. Mm -hmm. And when I've simplified my life, I've also simplified my brain, which my brain is like going 10,000 miles per hour, but my space is so simple and quiet and my brain has become so simple and quiet. And out of that space, I've heard God like I haven't in a really long time. I mean, I've I've talked about this before. I think it takes slowing down, like we already mentioned, to really hear God. And I was recently in Kentucky in the middle of nowhere to shoot a wedding. And it took a three-hour drive in the middle of nowhere, no cell service, for me to feel connected to God like I haven't in a long time. Wow. And it was just the simplicity of it mm. and the lack of noise and the lack of busyness. And I think what you're doing is amazing. Mm. And that does take courage. And I, I mean, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> so what do you think you've learned the most about courage in this experience so far? Mm. That 
our life, like, so if we're really wanting miracles in our life, we want, and we want to write, a, I love to see our life like a story. Like our life is a story and where we get to like co-write with God. And like one day my story is going to be passed down to my grandchildren, whether that's through like, through like audio, like somebody's going to tell my story or if I've actually physically written out my story. And I want my grandchild to like read a story that's really interesting and a story that's not filled with like so much comfort and fear. Like I think the two greatest enemies of courage is comfort and fear. And but we, our miracles and our interesting story and our fascinating story it happens outside our comfort zone. And so what I'm learning is that courage is like asking us to leave our comfort zone. And my comfort zone was staying in this community that was so simple and so easy. And I just knew like Holy Spirit was just nudging me to leave that and go into the unknown. But the, one of the quotes I have in my book is the quality of your life is directly linked with how much uncertainty you can comfortably handle. Like when we handle uncertainty well, that's like a sign that we're becoming a courageous person. Like when we get thrown, like life throws crazy things at us and we're like, I got this. So the quality of your your life life is directly linked with how much uncertainty you can comfortably handle. Do we stop the episode here? It's too good. It's too good. And you said something right before that. I can, what did you say? You said that courage is, writes a really good story out of your life and asks you to leave the comfort zone. Yes. That's so good. Okay. Speaking of comfort zones and what God is giving us, what would you, you talked about this in your Instagram story. Okay. And when I was trying to decide what we were going to talk about, you literally posted this story and I was like, this is the topic. This is it. Cause it's Mm. so I think needed, but talk about finding the balance between thinking about our dreams, desires, and future, but also simultaneously appreciating the moment and grateful for what we have. Mm. Oh, that's such a good question. (laughs) So I actually, okay. So this is a good, I was with my friend Janine Amapola and this week she's one of my best friends and she tells me about this vision she has where she's like sprinting like running so hard like just sprinting as hard as she can and then she zooms out of the picture and there she is sprinting on the exact same spot she hasn't moved forward and there's a string tied around her waist to a massive like cement block and I was like that's what happens when we try to hustle and hurry our dreams Because God's timing is so different than our timing. And that's what happens when I spend more time thinking about my dream than being present. Because the call for us as Christians or for us as people, like I think about Jesus who tells the story of the Good Samaritan. It's a person who's walking down the road and he sees somebody that's hurt and like, and needs help. And he's saying that our call is to stop and help that person. And I think for me, I have such um, big, bold, powerful dreams, but am I missing the person in front of me? Like, am I running so fast and, and like making hustle and hurry, like this string tying me back? And also on top of that, am I missing the one in front of me? And so I say that because sometimes our dreams are, they are so beautiful and so good, but we try to get so aggressive and like try to make it happen. Mm -hmm. 
but but our call is to co-labor with God, but we know God's pace is a little bit slower than we think. Like we think about how Joseph waited 13 years, Abraham waited 25 years, Moses waited 40 years, Jesus waited 30 years, and many of us that are listening right now are in a waiting season. But if we're waiting, we're in good company because the Bible tells us there's there's so much about us waiting. And so when we're in that waiting season and we're trying to figure out how do I think about my dreams while also remaining present and grateful, I... I just think don't miss the person in front of you. Don't miss the calling in front of you. And what that might be is you really want to move to LA to be a photographer, but right now you're working at a restaurant. It's it's working well in that restaurant while also but while also going home at night and figuring out how to plan. It's like a balance of the two. Mm-hmm. Um And I had this vision when I was a little girl and it was like me and I was like building a house and had this one little nail and I was like hammering this nail and then next to me was God. And God had done like 50 nails in the time I had done one nail. But I was like (laughs) so focused on this one little nail. And then I was like, I did it. And God was like, well done. And he was so excited for me. And then I look up, I'm like, you just did 50 nails and I did one. And that's what happens. (laughs) Like we, we hustle so hard at making our dreams happen, but like God is in the background in your life right now, figuring out. 50 other miracles that he's sending your way mm-hmm. and and just know that God is behind you and he's working and and your dreams are going to happen but they happen with God they happen when you co-labor with God and also don't forget to to not see the person in front of you right now that needs love yeah, and I also think there's a lesson in every season. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it was Mike Todd at a Transformation Church. He said once, if you are so focused on getting out of the season you're in, like, mm-hmm. I hate this job. When can I get a new job? There most likely is something at that job that God is trying to teach you, mm-hmm. and that's why you're there. And so if you're so focused on you know, getting the new dream or the next thing, you're going to miss what God has for you in that moment. And it could very well be the coworker in front of you that you're supposed to minister to. That's so good. Yesterday I had this vision when we were in worship of like Jesus, like in front of me. And God was like, Jesus was like, keep your eyes on me, keep your eyes on me. And then Jesus was in a desert and then we were in a jungle and then we were in the ocean on boats. And it was Jesus just saying like, no matter the season, keep your eyes on me. Mm -hmm. That's so good. And I think also, I don't know the story because I don't know my Bible stories very well yet, but where we worry, God is asleep. Like Jesus is asleep mm. where we, like if- When Jesus, they're on the boat? Yes, when they're on the boat. And Jesus is just sleeping and there's a huge storm. And they're like, hello, why aren't you, <laughs> why aren't you worried? Why, there's a storm coming. Like there's a storm here. Why are you asleep? And it's like, if Jesus is asleep, Uh when we're worried, we shouldn't be worried. Uh And I just love that illustration. (laughs) And it's something I have to think about daily. Yeah. Or how like God came, Elijah came to God and was like, Elijah was like a major prophet and, and God, and he's like, what am I meant to do? And Jesus, God's like, just take a nap. Like sometimes God is like, (laughs) our mission of the day is take a nap and eat. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, chill out. Like, you're trying to do your one nail and God's like, I already did 50. Like, I got you. So what would you say to people who 
feel pressured by society's timeline Mm. of where they are supposed to be in their life by a certain age. And maybe the pressure is from family members. Maybe it's from society in general, like 30 and single or Mm. 25 and everyone else in your friend group has is married and has kids. Like, what would you say to those people and that, you know, feeling that pressure? I have so many ideas, but the first idea is I think there's somebody listening to this right now. And especially when you said the 30 and single thing, mm-hmm. they're they're thinking, man, my my story is so unlike other people's stories. And I think for you, what I would say to you is that what story do you remember more? Do you remember the story that's like everybody else or the story that was unique? Mm-hmm. We remember the unique story. And I think if your story is so different than society's, it has the potential to be more memorable. And so if you're like 30 and single or if you're just like you're just your story is so different there's beauty and difference and it also reminds you of God's character and God is outside of time he's outside of space and you man like I I have so many friends who like have met somebody and three months later just like are married like crazy stories like that and the thing is God is outside of time and he can do your miracle or he can bring about the thing that you really desire way quicker Like God can do something that takes somebody 20 years. He could do it in a day. I mean, I've experienced that myself. Like I was single for almost five years and literally met Nico, bumped, literally bumped into him. Mm -hmm. And seven months later, we were engaged. Mm. And at that time in my life, even when he asked me to be his girlfriend after two weeks, I would, we went out to dinner and I would, that was the last thing I expected because in my experience, you talk to someone for months that they, yeah. they don't really formally ask you. Like I'm goosebumps now. everything is very casual. And the way that he pursued me is how mm. I know God was involved. And that's, mm. and, and that's my story and it is unique. And I do, and I have had people say, how can you know someone in that short of time? It's only been X amount of time. There's no Mm. way, you know, all the things. Mm. But when God is involved, like you said, he doesn't operate. He operates outside of time. Yeah. And, you know, it's really sad on some of the TikToks I've posted about our relationship. A lot of people say, and it's so sad, but they're like, I'll, where do you find someone like that? I'm 30, I'm 29. I'm, God Mm. doesn't have that for me. I'm never going to have that. There's, it's a lack of hope. Yeah. And it, it almost like it feels like so many people give up on what yeah. they think they deserve or what God has for them. Yeah. So this other day I, I met this lady called Roberta and she was like holding a glass of wine, dressed in all black, just or like looked like the most elegant woman I've seen in a long time. She's like leaning against a, a painting that was just casually a Picasso, right? And she's just sitting there and I go, I walk up to her and I start to talk to her and I'm, she's married to this man that I had met like two minutes earlier. They're both in their 60s, just king and queen. Like just, I was like, you guys are straight goals. And Roberta tells me about how she, I was like, tell me what advice you would give to somebody who feels like their love story, like they're giving up on their love story. Like they feel like they're older. And she's like, well, that's quite funny you asked me that question because that was my story. She was like, I was 35. I was dating. People were like, you're never going to find anyone. And she starts dating this photographer and people are like, yes, hallelujah. She'd been single for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh my gosh, this photographer ticks everything off the list. I'm 35 which remember she's 60 so that's 
ages ago. Mm-hmm. Like most people were not 35. That would be like today's equivalent of 45 and single. Yeah. And so she was just like, man, giving up hope. She's dating this photographer, but he takes everything off her list, but she doesn't have peace. And she just doesn't have a good feeling about it. So she breaks up with him. She knows that breaking up with him is going to get her back in a position of a lack of hope. But she does it anyway. And she's like, oh, man. And she literally just comes to the point where she just gives up hope. Like She's like, nah, I'm done. I'm just going to be single for the rest of my life. Three months later, she meets this man who's now her husband, Howard. He's like I have goosebumps. classy <laughs> and elegant and loves her. Like he loved her so much. He told the story about how he was literally before her was dating five women at the same time. I was like, Howard, you little player. <laughs> he brings them all. He goes on one date with her, right? But he was just like casually dating them, but it's still a little bit of a player. He like brings them to a, a, a restaurant. All five of them, they don't know they're all dating the same guy. I'm like, this is such a savage mood. This is a movie. This means war. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) And he he sits all the five women down. He pays for their meal. And he says, and he's gone on one date with Roberta. He says, I found the one. I'm so sorry, but for all of you, it's over. And they're like, wait, all of us, wait, you're all dating us? (laughs) So anyway, he dates Roberta. They get married like months later. They just know. Like, they just know that they know they know. This is the crazy thing about the story. Howard was a billionaire. Roberta, it was her house. That was her Picasso, Picasso she was leaning up against. God's story for you, his love story for you. The fact that you have waited every month that you wait. I imagine that God puts an extra dollar in a bank account. And he's like, your faithfulness. You're putting an extra dollar in the bank account of faithfulness. He's like, you are building up your wealth and faithfulness. And I see you. And even though you came to the point where you gave up hope, you still, you still stayed the path of your calling. And you still stayed, even though you wanted to give up on love, you still showed up to work. And so you're building this faithfulness and God blesses the faithful. It's not well done, good, fruitful servant. It's well done, good and faithful servant. God sees faithful people. And if you're sitting there and you're single, he has seen your faithfulness. I'm like my jaw, no one can see me, <laughs> my jaw's on, onto the floor. I want to go back to the piece mm. because... Yeah, that's good. I think there is someone listening that is in a relationship that is missing the one thing and they don't have the piece. Mm. And if you Ugh. don't have the piece, like peace comes from God mm-hmm. and you're dating someone and deep down you know you're not supposed to be with them yeah what would you say to that person yeah I met this lady the other day and she said even on my wedding day I didn't have peace and this man ended up being addicted to pornography and 10 years later she divorced him and I just think yeah desires for love are beautiful And we really want to be in a relationship. We meet this person and we feel like we can love them well, but you just don't see what God sees. And God is giving you that lack of peace because he's trying to protect you. He's saying like, daughter, do not go down this path. Like, I want to protect you. I don't want you to be in some marriage. Like, it's better to wait long than marry wrong. It's better to wait long than marry wrong. And peace is that God-given gift. That, and, and, and peace is, the, the, is so often in my life. Like I dated this guy earlier this year and he had everything I wanted. But when I was late at night, 
It's 10 p.m. I'm with my journal. There's no distraction. My phone is in the kitchen. And I was like, I can't shake it. There's something not right. And peace comes in the silence, just as we've been talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Is peace, it's that feeling when you're on your own. Like, so like, okay, this would be a good practical advice. You're dating someone right now. You don't feel peace. What if you took a day off your phone and you, maybe you fasted or you just like, just turned off your phone, didn't talk to that person and went to a place that you really feel like yourself. Maybe that's the coffee shop. Maybe that's the forest. And you just sought God out. Like I think about my dad, my dad literally fasted for an entire week in the forest to just to ask my dad, my mom out. But you have to get away. Like we need, we need rhythms of retreat and engage. So to that person, like retreat, be with God and ask God, why am I not feeling this peace? Mm -hmm. And find that place to be in a place to listen. Mm -hmm. And I think I think it's God's protection. And I mean, even the two people I dated before Nico, Mm. they were great guys, Christians. There was nothing, I mean, like from an outside, like there was nothing wrong with them. Mm -hmm. And the one guy, this had been like the third time he had asked me to go out with him. And I just did not... I couldn't even give him a reason. And it kind of felt like a lie. Like it felt like an excuse when I was like, I'm so sorry. I just don't have peace. Like Mm. it sounds like something, you know, Christian people say when they want to get out of something sometimes. Mm. And I was like, (laughs) I'm really sorry. Like I can't explain it. And then I met someone else and we were dating for a couple months and very similar situation. Very great guy just didn't have peace. And I really wanted to be with him. Like I really liked him a lot. Mm. And I was like, God, I don't understand. Like he seems picture perfect. Like everything he's checking off every box, Mm. but I didn't have the peace. So I ended it with him. And months later I met Nico. Mm. Had I not ended it and just stayed in it, just to stay in it because it was nice and I was comfortable. I would have missed Nico. Mm. I would have not met him at the time. Yeah. God had me to meet him. And that's also why I think, you know, God will close your eyes to things until you're ready for them as well. I mean, even me and Nico, like we served at the same church for three years together, have been in rooms with under 15 people and never noticed each other. When we met, we were like, how do we not know each other? Like it was totally, it just was all God. Like from the second we met till today, like there are confirmations every single day. And yeah, I just think the waiting season can be long and hopeless and lonely. Um, but following I have a, that I have piece, a question for you. Oh gosh. Okay. So, well, well, first of all, what I was going to say is to kind of what you're saying is like, don't accept good when graves around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I've loved about being your friend is I knew single you and I knew married you mm-hmm. and you did singleness so freaking well. And I was just like, cause I feel like what you did is you like watched every YouTube video. You mm-hmm. read every book. You were like, enough is enough. I'm going to research and I'm going to Build because wisdom is something we can find, and you mm-hmm. sought wisdom in that area. And I remember you dating guys, and you were like, "Nah, I don't feel peace." Like I actually saw this in real life. Mm-hmm. And so, what I would want to ask you is, um, what advice would you give? I mean, maybe your younger self, younger single self. I think to love myself first, mm. because I think, and I don't know, I'm getting emotional. I think I dated wrong and less than I deserved because I didn't know what I deserved. 
Like I didn't know God. I didn't value myself. I didn't respect myself. And you can't expect others to respect you and value you when you don't do it for yourself. Like you can only love someone or receive love at the level that you love yourself. Mm. And I was, when I started going to church and got saved, it was really my first time being surrounded by healthy relationships. Like I'd never seen them before. And when I started to see them, Mm. I wanted that. I was like, what is that? Like what, how, how I've never seen a relationship like this. And I became a crazy person in the best way. Like I read every faith-based relationship book on the market. I watched hours. I've watched, I've seen every YouTube video Mm -hmm. on relationship, sex, dating, singleness. Mm Mm-hmm. To the point where I was so passionate about it, like it probably went next level for a little bit. Like I thought mm-hmm. I knew everything, but honestly, I was watching hours and and I was what's the word ingesting? Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Hours. Oh, you were of of that kind of content daily, and I became very passionate about it to my friends, which probably came off as like a know it all. But I was like, but wait, that's not what this book in this chapter said we're supposed to do. I mean, my my journey with waiting until marriage for sex mm-hmm. started when I read the book The Wait by Devon Franklin and Megan yeah. Good. And then I she read made it, me buy the book. I make everyone buy the book because I it changed when I say it changed my life, I've never been so changed by a book mm. before. Because it it contradicted everything I'd ever thought about sex and dating Mm. to the point where even if I was a non-believer and read the book it still would make sense Mm. do you remember which I know we weren't even planning on talking about this but do you remember what it was like what, what what became your reasons to wait I think in the book, they talk a lot about um, delaying gratification. Hmm. And I think when you're dating and you are getting to know someone on a deeper spiritual um, level, you're communicating, you're getting to know someone without the physical being involved, and you find out a lot faster if you actually like this person when you take sex out of it. Hmm. Like, am I just really attracted to you? Or do I like you? And is God in the mix? Like, it's really hard with all the noise. With, I mean, I think of my ex-boyfriend, like, and I talked about this on the last um, episode, but our relationship started as sex. And so we dated for almost four years. And when the relationship went south and we weren't having sex anymore, we actually realized we had nothing in common. We, we couldn't even hold a conversation. And so I think it was a gradual, like when I read the book, I was like, I want to try this. Like, I'm really interested in seeing what this is all about. I want to do it God's way because to be realistic, I'd done it my way for 27 years and it was not working. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, I'm going to try it this way because I see it in the church and people are producing very fruitful relationships out of this way. And I tried it and it worked. And yeah. so that's why I'm so passionate about it because I've been on both sides. Yeah. And I've seen the results of both, of waiting and not waiting. Yeah. And I think about how the divorce rate is like 50% right now. Or, mm-hmm. And yet the divorce rate of people who wait till their marriage is 3%. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. But I believe it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are so forced to have strong communication. I mean, for until Nico and I got married, our, I mean, we spent a year building our communication 
Mm-hmm. And so w- when you have that, like now you add sex into it. So like, I feel like the two most important things in a, in a marriage are communication and then sex, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's my, opinion. I love that. <laughs> and it was so impressive because you, you two were crazy about each other. Yeah, and we still are. And that's not to say the wait was easy by any no, means, wasn't. but you have to have boundaries. I mean, we had a very strict 11 p.m. curfew when we were dating. Oh, that's good. And when I tell you it was me trying to break the boundaries all the time, thank God for him. It's 10.59. He's tying his shoelaces. And I'm like, babe, come on. Just like, make out more. I'm 29. Like... Let's, you can hang out for 10 more minutes. But he didn't want to wow. keep breaking that boundary because then if we continue to break it, continue to break it, what else will we be okay mm-hmm. with breaking? And we respect people that keep boundaries. You respected him more because of it. Every time I left his house, I was like in tears of, I can't believe this is the type of man that I get to date. Yeah. Because of how strong he was in his boundaries and respect for me. Like I, he made me respect myself more. Wow. Well, okay. We can, this is going to be another episode where I think we're going to need a part two. I need to narrow down the questions. Let's, <laughs> I want to ask this because I feel like you have something good to say. What do you think is the biggest lie the world tells us? That our success is based off numbers. Mm. But God never attached numbers to our success. That's so good. Like if we think about heaven's version of success, it's always been the one. It's not the 99. Mm. It's the one person whose life you changed today because you saw her in a supermarket and she seemed really sad and you walked up to her and you said, hey, are you okay? And you prayed for her. It's not the 10,000 people who reshare your Instagram. Mm. And... I think God cares more about your presence than he ever does about your performance. Like we are not accountable for our fruits of our labor. We're just accounted for, accountable for our labor. We are not accountable for the fruits of our labor. We're just accountable for our labor. Just accountable for our labor. Because God's the one who knew how to plant a seed and make a seed grow and then out of it became an apple tree, and then the the apple tr- apples fell off. Like we're just accountable for like obedience. Being that tree, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I always say God's love language is obedience, and I got that. I say it all the time, and I got it. And I'm like, well, who did I get that from? But now I remember I got uh-huh. it from you. Uh-huh. It's so true because mm-hmm. our obedience a lot of times isn't about us; it's for other people. Mm-hmm. And it's like for us, our job is what's in my hand and how can I be faithful with it? I think about the little boy that gave the fish and the loaves. And it was, it's, it's, it's us giving what we have to God. And it's only God who makes the multiplication happen. It's only God who could actually take five loaves and two fish and make it feed 5,000 people. But it's us bringing those gifts, your passions, your talents to God and not focusing on how many people it influences, but just knowing I brought it to God. Okay. So I have heard you say so many pieces of wisdom and advice from your mom, from Mm. your parents. I know there's a couple I've probably even used them as Instagram captions before, but I don't, we don't have much time, but what is, what is maybe one or two? Mm Mm-hmm the best pieces of advice your parents have ever given you? Don't peck with chickens, fly with eagles. Mm. 
you need to pick friends that inspire you. Chickens like just peck, stay to the ground, and they don't ever fly. But eagles jump off trees and fly into the sky. And I just think your friends make, and your mentors and your community make such a huge influence. If you look at your community right now, are you truly inspired? Are you wanting to fly higher and to greater places? And then the other one is, I remember one time my mom was preaching. She used to travel the world and preach. And she's on the stage and she gets a toothpaste. And she gives it to this little kid. She like tells a kid to come up on stage and she's like, squeeze the toothpaste out of the tube. And so this kid's like squeezing the toothpaste out. (laughs) And then she goes, my mom goes, now try to put it back in. And the kid's like trying, but it can't. And she said, that's like words. Once they're out, it's really hard to put them back in. Your words are so powerful. And like the the word says, like they bring life or death. And my mom and dad went on a silent retreat. They went traveling around the world for 18 months. And they got on a silent retreat for a month. In, In other words, they couldn't speak for an entire month. And that's where they learned it from this Buddhist monk who gave them a toothpaste. A tube. One month. Yeah. And this monk goes, that's what words are. They're so precious. I would rather say less that have so much power and meaning than say more that hurt people. That is so powerful. And even that illustration, I mean, I even think of in marriage or in any friendship, like once you say something, Mm -hmm. like you can apologize, but it's, that doesn't take it away. You can't take it back. You can't put it back in your mouth. Like Mm -hmm. it's out there. It's been said and they carry so much weight. Even after an apology, it's like, Mm. You still don't for, forget. Mm-hmm. You can forgive, but you can't forget. And I think that's so powerful. And the don't peck with chickens, fly with eagles. Yeah. I mean, that ministered to me. I almost started crying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I feel like I can't wait to get this edit so I can listen to it in silence and actually just like be ministered by it again. I'm so thankful for you and your heart for Jesus. And I truly feel like you are one of the friends who flies and you soar and you're just an amazing human being. And I'm just honored to know you. And I just, the people that you're going to touch, not only with this podcast, just with what you're doing in life in general Mm. is so inspiring and encouraging. And I just love you. I love you too.